Okay, so welcome back, everyone. And uh, here we are for another new episode of End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Uh, Peter Wesley Salmon. How y'all doing? I know, it's been it's been so long. Uh, you especially, because uh, we took a summer break right before it was going to be your turn again so you i know i know it, it, it hurt, hurt. It hurt <laughs> but that's, that's okay i'm glad i'm back <laughs> just you know rotten luck of that's where the uh that's where things ended up where we it, it was vacation time just as peter was about to come on but yeah that's, happenstance apparently it's happened it, it is happenstance i know i know it'll <laughs> I mean, it'll be funny again if it happens next summer, but we there's still a lot of room to get there. Okay, um, and Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new historical sci-fi action horror, Prey, which you can now stream in the stars section of Disney+. Plus. Uh, that is in the back half of the show. For the first half, we are going to look towards the fall. Um pretty serious movie season because it's typically when all the serious movies get released um although fall doesn't technically or literally start until september the 21st um i think they call it uh meteorological fall um so you know we 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 get two falls now the fall that that starts on september 1st and the fall that starts on september 21st (laughs) um interesting because, yeah, we, we like to make our lives more complicated as human beings. Um, so we're going to look ahead uh, to the fall and talk about three movies each that we are very much anticipating. So, you know, it's uh, what I find interesting is a lot of the stuff I was looking at, Peter, is actually playing at TIFF. Um, so it's like we're really kind of getting started early. Um, and that does seem like a good fall sort of uh, leadoff point is uh, the Toronto International Film Festival back to, um, I think they're back to almost exclusively being in person this year. Really? All right. Well, I, you know, my drive is going to be a bit longer than it used to be, but uh, <laughs> I might have to dip down. No, yeah, that's awesome. I now regret not going to the TIFF list and checking out more of what they have upcoming. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of blockbusters, but a lot of more uh, indie ones or ones that next year will be more of a blockbuster, some Oscar contenders. Oscar contenders, indeed. So why don't you kick us off with your first pick for anticipated movie this fall? Okay, so uh, one of my favorite Disney classics is uh pinocchio so i am obviously very excited for the upcoming pinocchio uh i before prepping this though for some reason i thought it was going to be by guillermo del toro but uh by robert zemeckis so we'll 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 see what happens he has Uh, a separate pinocchio guillermo del toro okay but not 2022 no that's zemeckis uh the one for disney you mean Oh yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this one will still be cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, that's so surprising because I remember I did view the trailer for this one, and the animation seemed like something Guillermo Toro would uh, uh, pick up. Right? It's still more of a classic uh, puppeteering. It's not um, heavily CGI or at least a uh, CGI that's being shoved into your face. So mm-hmm. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna admit though, Robert Zemeckis back in the day was also uh, one of my favorite directors. But um, yeah, I don't know. In the past, his his works have not been great. The Witches was not my scene, and Welcome to Marwin uh, was my scene, but not a good film, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I love Back to the Future, so maybe this will be sort of a return for him. And uh, yeah, I uh, don't really like Tom Hanks too much either after Elvis, but uh, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's cool. He's a cool dude. I like Luke Evans. So, uh, you know, it's also been a while since I've seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt in like anything because I don't deal with that red, red or whatever. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it'll be cool seeing him in this. Um, although he's Jiminy Cricket, so I guess it'll just be his voice. So there's another disappointment for Pinocchio. (laughs) But, you know, Pinocchio, I might hate it. But now that I'll be going in, knowing it isn't the Galer del Toro one, Mm -hmm. and knowing all these flaws, maybe I'll like it more as a result of that. You know, Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. you don't expect something good and you get like a pinch of good or kind of good, it looks like it's amazing. So Mm -hmm. I hope that's the case for Pinocchio. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt hasn't been very busy movie-wise speaking. His last movie was The Trial of the Chicago Seven, which was almost two years ago. So, uh, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, I mean, maybe there'll be some motion capture stuff. So maybe you're seeing kind of more. From yeah, yeah, indie circus style. It'll be sort of him. Too, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would say that Luke Evans is someone who. Um, I, I wish I wish he was kind of a bigger guy. He he's like kind of pops up. I think this is like the second Disney live action remake. He's because wasn't he Gaston in Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I don't know if it was Disney, but like Three Musketeers and such. He's been in uh, like a lot of big films. It's just unfortunate they've been ones that don't like succeed. Yeah, it's he was too bad because the- he's great. But it's just uh, I like the word I used uh, earlier. It's happenstance, right? It's just. Unfortunately, I think he just needs to get a new agent, maybe. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, he was also in the Hobbit movies. Um he Yeah, was in, which even even them are kind of downgrade, right? In comparison to the Lord of the Rings. He was in, yeah, he was also in Dracula Untold, uh, which I kind of like in a so good it's bad kind of way. But yeah, exactly. And and he's great in it too. Uh, I, I didn't like the Pure Musketeers or Clash of Titans, <gasps> but I thought he was good in that. I thought he was great. So it'll be Actually, nice to see him in Pinocchio, which I think has a bit more potential. You were a fan of uh, Clash of Titans or, or uh, Three Musketeers? I, I was kind of a fan of that uh, Paul W. S. Anderson Three Musketeers. It was kind of it was kind of uh it was kind of fun. I liked it. I, I liked it. I saw it on the big screen too. So it was um, it was also kind of like the early days of 3D. Um, the salad, still exciting, yeah. The salad days of 3D before they were just like upping everything to 3D to make money. It was, uh, it was a thing. Okay, um, my number one or choice or my first choice is something completely different from Pinocchio. It is called the Banshees, and I hope I pronounce this right. The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, which is Martin McDonough's next film. Uh, People may know him from, I mean, he's a very well-known playwright, but his first three movies have been very well-known, very well-received. So in Bruges, uh, Seven Psychopaths and Three Billboards. Um, This one 
one of the reasons I'm interested in it is because it reunites the two stars of In Bruges. So you get Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson together again. And they play um, Patrick and Colm. And uh, Colm comes to Patrick one day and says, like, uh, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And it seems to be like this kind of mystery. Why? And Patrick's trying to figure out like, well, what did I do to you? And Colm's like, well, I'm not going to tell you. So just leave me alone. And there's kind of a question to me, like, is this supposed to be funny? Because it's a little bit funny. And then there's a scene in the trailer where Colm's like, if you if you come over and talk to me one more time, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers and send it to you. And it's kind of a mic drop moment. And it's like, I don't know where, like, does he actually mean it? Is this like, a, like, or is he just like taking the piss or like what's going on? And it's, you want to think it's funny, but the trailer makes it look like one of these, like, like super serious, you know, made by the British film commission costume dramas, but there's this air of like, it's not as serious as maybe you think it is, or it's not as serious as the cinematography makes it look. I don't know, but it's Martin McDonough. Who's a really great writer. And uh, I, I, I'm kind of lukewarm on three billboards, but um, in Bruges and seven psychopaths are so good. So funny. Um, I think three, but I, I, it might be my favorite out of all of them. It's great. But, it's, uh, it's fine yeah. uh, it's fine um but I, I i really love in bruges as just like a like this sort of black comedy piece and, and seven psychopaths is somehow even darker even though it's still kind of funnier well, um, you prefer i would say to more <laughs> adventure more action which is a part of them whereas three billboard uh it's more just a straight up drama right yeah it's yeah there's there's a little bit of that um Anyway, it, I, I'm very curious to see, like, is this a, is this like in the mold of like his darker comedic stuff or is this like something a bit more serious? I don't know. I couldn't tell from the trailer. So I'm, I'm very interested to see this roll out. And, um, and then I, I guess, well, I guess I'll know one, <laughs> hopefully by the credits roll, is this a serious drama or is this like a, a black comedy thing? We'll have to wait and see. I think it comes out. Um, in limited release, I want to say in October sometime. Yes, October 21st, just in time for Halloween. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. It'll have some competition. Yeah, it looks cool. I, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't aware of its, uh, what's it called, existence until you just mentioned that, it. That's but, fair. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> it looks cool. Uh, I love Brendan Gleeson. He's, you know, he's good at what he's doing and hasn't uh, been bought by disney like his son uh so yeah that'll be that'll be cool wow speaking of not knowing if that was dark or comedic or not um although i would say brendan gleason was bought by warner brothers because he was mad eye moody in the harry potter movies maybe it will be like kind of like an art film and even after you're not aware of like what genre it was it could be it could be um well let's get to your number two then all right my number two uh, also upcoming in mm-hmm. 2022, mm-hmm. Uh, a Disney Plus, Netflix, I'm not sure. Oh, Netflix uh, is <laughs> Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, <laughs> until Adam informed me, I, I thought that Guillermo del Toro had just been fired 
uh, and that the other Pinocchio was was this one. But luckily, this masterpiece will well, potential masterpiece is still uh, coming out, and it looks it looks amazing. The casting and everything about it just uh, stands out. Uh, in particular, David Bradley from uh, the uh, Harry Potter series and uh, the Game of Thrones, where he's he's a wild guy. He's going to be Master Geppetto, which is perfect. He, he'll absolutely, absolutely be great at that. I will be interesting though. I'm used to him as most people are, as grumpy, someone mm. you hate, mm-hmm. supposed to like Geppetto. But I think he could pull it off, and just mm-hmm. that itself, and seeing if he can, will be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it'll just be his voice, but uh, mm-hmm. that's okay. That's okay too. They all have great voices and uh, he's uh, British. So I like that uh, some of the more classic, uh, you know, European elements of it will be left in. I know it's Italian, not, not, you know, British, but I'm glad that uh, Europe or I guess, you know, no, it's still continentally Europe. Yeah. will be a, a part of it as opposed to just a kind of Americans everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, uh, Ewan McGregor, I think uh, I didn't like it myself, but uh, a couple of years ago now, the shining, sequel mm. came out right and he did amazing mm. in it so i'm glad he's been having a bit of a comeback so even though i don't personally love him i think he'd be amazing too as a cricket especially with just as a voice so mm-hmm. definitely his his body would not work <laughs> for it um and uh as glamour Toro usually does uh he's got great um people doing scores uh alexander just doing grand budapest hotel he mm-hmm. did that shape of water mm-hmm. another classic um so that's going to be amazing too and uh yeah oh and you know what my goodness uh it's also produced by the jim henson project so yeah one that's been around since you know who knows how long what 50s 60s -hmm. and uh amazing that's uh animation uh which also shows i think it will be yeah it's going to be stop motion so yeah no it's going to be phenomenal design too phenomenal uh the graphics and everything yeah i think um in the future kind of like me people will just not be aware of one of the Pinocchios this year. And I, I hope it's the Robert Zemeckis one. So yeah, my second most <laughs> anticipated is Galer Melotoro's Pinocchio. And it's relocated to Italy in the thirties, which makes it a very interesting setting indeed. Yeah. More traditional, more back in the day where it was actually set, right? I think 1883 sometime back then. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, I, 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 ho- I do hope you're right, too. I hope, you know... I, Who knows with Netflix nowadays, right? Oh, this is the thing with Netflix, too, is exactly. that it's, it's there and it's gone. Or it's it's there, or it gets, like, prominent placement on, on the, the landing page, and then it, it's gone. But I think it, it smells like a repeat of... Um, whatever year The Jungle Book came out, there was the the quote-unquote live-action remake of Jungle Book, even though it only Mowgli, oh, the, the kid who played Mowgli was the only live-action element. Um, and then, so there was the Disney one directed by John Favreau, and then there was a version directed by Andy Serkis that was on Netflix. And I doubt too many people saw the Circus one Myself included, I have seen the Disney one, but not the circus one. It's just, uh, which, which is too bad. Um, the thing I will say about David Bradley, um, he can do, he can do warm. Um, if, if he, even if it's like sort of slightly crotchety, he, he played, um, 
I can't remember the actor's name, but he played the f- very first iteration of Doctor Who. Um, okay, he, there you go. He did that like 50th anniversary film. It's like, here's the behind the scene, like this behind the scenes drama about how Doctor Who began. And then he reprised the role of the first Doctor in one of the Christmas specials too. So he's... He's got this. He's yeah. He he. I think he can pull it off. He's slight. He's slightly off kilter, um, but he's certainly not doing it in an Einstein wig and mustache like Tom Hanks is doing for the Disney Pinocchio, which I guess. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I guess makes sense. But anyway, Um, all right. My second choice is called Empire of Light, and it is uh, a film that's coming out in December. from Sam Mendes, who won Best Director for American Beauty, and he has since made, well, he's made a ton of films, uh, Road to Perdition, Jarhead. Most recently, he's probably best known for Skyfall and then 1917, which came out a couple of years ago. I, I'm not 100% sold on it because it's basically set at a movie theater, one of these kind of old, opulent palace like theaters in the night, but it's in the 1980s. Um, and it's it's got a great cast. It's got Olivia Coleman. It's got Michael Ward from that. Um, he was in that anthology directed by Steve McQueen. That name has slipped my mind. Um, it also has Colin Firth and Toby Jones. It seems to be like one of these movies. Like, isn't it great? Like movies can change our lives and make us feel good. And um, which just feels like Oscar catnip. It's probably going to get nominated for 1206 awards, but um, I, I, along with the great cast, you get Roger Deakin cinematography, you get an Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor score, and you get Lee Smith, who is as editor, who's um, best known as sort of Christopher Nolan's resident editor. So, I mean, it's a murderer's row in front of the camera. It's a murderer's row behind the camera. It's uh, a movie about movies. Uh, it's either going to be awesome or it's going to be like Sam Mendes' um, The Majestic, which is the, the Frank Darabont movie um, about Jim Carrey being blacklisted in the 50s or something. I can't remember. But it's, it's going to be it's somewhere in between those two, I hope. That is where Empire of Light sits. Certainly, the trailer looked uh, looks beautiful. Um, Olivia Coleman is great and everything. So uh, yeah, so like just because of that, I think yeah. it also makes it uh, less likely it'll get bad reviews. Also, nineteen seventeen, his last one was great, right? So I but think ni- he's in a good yeah, a good mindset. Nineteen seventeen was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's in and, well, fun maybe the wrong word, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was a very well done film. Um, and it's you know still very good on a rewatch. So I I will trust Sam Mendes uh, until at least until the curtains open on this one. But I I think it's it's in terms of like uh, great movie art, it may be too big to fail. We'll have to see. So with our twos done, that brings us to our threes. So Peter unleash your number three upon me. I hope it's another Pinocchio. (laughs) I wish it was a documentary on Pinocchio and its history would be pretty amazing, (laughs) but no, my third choice, uh, which is my number one, most excited is clerks three by uh, Kevin Smith, Uh, a film. that's like, I like, 80 years in the making century law it's been going on for a while at least so many times he's even said that 
it's canceled and like you know like a, a video of him chucking it in the trash or whatever I, it, it, it's just a real relief that it's finally coming out even if it's bad it's just at least it's finally out we won't keep hearing the lies although i guess looking <laughs> back now they weren't lies just real real uh kind of lies <laughs> he was saying it would be soon and i think but like what is the sense of time right what is the sense of time what's soon so i don't know i don't want to call him a liar but uh he's just overly close. optimistic that's it he's overly optimistic um but clerks three actually looks i think the cast did i think uh, just with some ben affleck there it'll be fun um my only hesitance is you know i don't think kevin smith is at the his state of directing where it'll be as you know artsy or as just kind of laid back and truly slackery if you will as uh, mm. the first clerks um kind of the second clerks but that's when more of the kind of nerd culture he's a part of uh, kind of pours in right the star wars is a heavy part mm-hmm. um but at the same time jane silent bob reboot was very a part of the nerd culture and nostalgia but there was still a lot of his traditional elements of just guys, just people hanging out, just relaxing, slacking, you know, <laughs> getting a little, getting a little high, you know, doing, just having fun. And, uh, you know, I, I think Clerk Street could be like that too, you know? And uh, one thing I enjoyed about the reboot is it wasn't a very forceful kind of nostalgia, which can happen. It was very natural. Um and I hope Clerks 3 uh, is going to be like that. Mm. I, uh, Dante Hicks and Randall Graves are, you know, I'm curious where they'll be, if they'll still just be a quick stop or, you know, <laughs> I kind of hope they are. Um, and I hope uh, on like the second one, it'll be more back there and quick stop, not the, uh, not like a burger joint, you know, burger <laughs> joints are cool, but, you know, I saw enough of the burger joint. So I, I hope well, I've seen enough of it currently too, because they open it everywhere, little pop-up shops. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad it'll, and I'm looking into it right now. It'll be, yeah, just the quick stop, which will be nice. Um, I think it'll be more relaxing, less of uh, an attempt at something grand. I think it'll be more like the reboot he recently did, Jay and Silent Bob, just something he knows the fans want. And that that's nice and chill. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it I, I also i'm a huge fan of um austin's azure who's uh harley quinn smith's um boyfriend but he's great too he does little funny tiktoks so that'll be fun to see him in it is that who that is <laughs> i was just looking at the cast like who is this person it's like oh that's okay it. yeah exactly that's who he is he's very strange so harley quinn won't be uh in this film but uh yeah yeah He's I'm dating, to see him in his he's dating the director's daughter. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're together 24-7 on Instagram. They're so in love. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I I you know, I'm I'm interested to see it. I I have I did not see that Jane Simon Bob reboot. Um it, it's felt like Kevin Smith's heart has been in podcasting the last you know several years so yes modcast and everything it's just you know it's it's fun i mean if it um if it's not as great as the first clerks or even clerks 2 which i enjoyed quite a bit uh um, yeah, it was fun it, it at least you know we the, the trilogy is complete um i do <laughs> maybe i maybe i shouldn't say it but famously uh clerks was supposed to end with um with uh, Dante getting shot uh, in a, ro- a holdup, but 
Oh, that would have been awesome. They should have filmed that too in like a Disney special features, the alternative ending, like uh, I Am Legend and other films do. That would have been cool. I think they did shoot it. I think I have a DVD, like the 10th anniversary DVD. I think it has it on it. Oh, um, check out mine. But I do wonder if that'll be a like an inside joke in the in the film. Um. Anyway. Uh, my third is also a sequel. Um, it is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which doesn't come out till almost Christmas. Um, but it is the, the Ryan Johnson sequel to, obviously, Knives Out, which uh, is another Benoit Blanc mystery. Uh, you know, Speaking of great cast, you get uh, Edward Norton back, obviously. You get, uh, or excuse me, you get Daniel Craig back, obviously. Edward Norton is kind of the second lead. He's this tech billionaire who invites everyone to his uh, Greek island. Uh, I don't know if he owns the island or if he's just kind of renting it, but he, he invites everyone to sort of have a good time. And then murder happens. So uh, Benoit Blanc must uh, come in and un- uh, unveil another uh, donut hole inside the donut hole. Um, so it co-stars uh, Janelle Monáe. Excuse me, Janelle Monáe, uh, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista. So really awesome lineup of folks, a really interesting lineup of folks. Uh, my hope is, and if you go back and watch the original Knives Out, it's, it's you know, Benoit Blanc really doesn't take center stage until the end when he's like solving the case. Most of the movie is built around, you know, Ana de Armas's character and uh her interactions with the the other members of the family and then you have chris evans in there too and obviously they have um, really good chemistry together um so it's it'll be interesting to see if johnson can capture that kind of lightning in a bottle with another like really expansive group of awesome actors um you know he's also kind of under the gun with knives out to, to sort of get it all done and, and shoot it all really, really quickly. Whether that sort of franticness translates to the screen too, because I mean, there were different pressures on this, but on the other hand, he has like the backing of Netflix with millions and millions of dollars. So, I mean, that's a slight disappointment that unless you go to the Toronto Film Festival or maybe another select screening, you'll have to watch this at home on TV uh, on Netflix instead of in a theater, but I did I mean, not know that. Yeah, so yeah, I, w- I would like to go back and watch another Night's Out Mystery in the theater, and uh, hopefully, maybe there'll be a way to do that. But uh, well, traditional, it's like old classic, like detective, right? It is the kind of film that should be in theaters. Very oh, strange. You, you don't have to tell me. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm still looking forward to it, though. Uh, I love Ryan Johnson. I don't think he's made a bad movie, uh, especially his sort of neo-noir things. Um, his early films, Brick and Brothers Bloom. Uh, I, I still love those movies. I love the original Knives Out. He's a great filmmaker, great writer. So um, here's hoping for Glass Onion. Um, I, and, you know, I kind of broke my rule to put Glass Onion on here because it's like you, I don't want to endorse a movie until I've like seen like real footage. Um, and there's been kind of like a teaser trailer. And that's why I didn't put Hellraiser on my list. Uh, the new version of Hellraiser that comes out next month, um, which features uh, Jamie Clayton, who is uh, people may know from Sense8, uh, but she is a trans woman and she's playing Pinhead in that movie. And it, it released like Damn, a Damn, that's cool. Yeah, they released like a 15 second trailer last week where it's like Hellraiser, the letters Hellraiser going across the scene. 
And as they're going across, you see Jamie Clayton dressed as in the pinhead makeup. And it is kind of, although it, it got a lot of people online angry because I guess women can't be pinhead. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's why. Like, why? I don't, I, I don't know. Those demons don't even like. Because he's like, or she, whoa, she's a like a demon, right? Well, yes, maybe gender yes. isn't even a part of it. Well, here's know? here's the thing in the Hellbound Heart, which is the the short story that Hellraiser was based on. The Cenobites um, are not identified by gender, so it's there. You go. That's what I meant. That's awesome. So it's it's like it doesn't even matter. But th- these are the things the internet gets mad about. Sort of like getting mad about an indigenous woman uh, <laughs> fighting a predator, although. I have to admit there are a lot more fans than there are detractors about uh, the greatness of Prey, which is the movie we are reviewing next. You are listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Okay, so that was a clip from Prey. It's the new film from writer-director Dan Trachtenberg, and it stars Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, Michelle Thrush, Bennett Taylor, and Dane DeLiagro as the Predator. Uh, slightly shorter Predator, because I think uh, Dean DeLiagro is five or, or six feet nine versus Kevin Peter Hall, who is like seven foot something. So... A um, little bit of a shorter predator, so uh, we're already kind of starting off on a on a back foot. But I mean, but uh, I I do what I do find fascinating about this is, um, despite the the wanks who um, call the the heroine of of this movie Nehru uh, a Mary Sue, which is so silly and um, reeks of you know what they did to Ray with you know the the Star Wars sequel. Um, what I liked about this is that you are watching both of the, both of your uh, adversaries here 
uh, both the opponents sort of level up throughout the movie. They are both um, sort of training themselves for the fight they are destined to have um, in, in, the, in the last chapter. So um, great. Yeah. The, yeah. Mo- the monster, the uh, predator gets kind mm-hmm. of um, their own storyline. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Uh, by itself, uh, a lead up to yeah. the climax. Yeah. I didn't even really, uh, process it that way while viewing it but yeah there's a lot of solo scenes yeah so that's that's really cool i i, I wouldn't say I, I do want to clarify though to any listener it was not like a 50 50 there, there's more uh i'd say mm-hmm. narrow time absolutely but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was cool it was it was definitely cool getting some solo times with the uh with the predator mm-hmm. and it just kind of picking stuff up and like looking at it like you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he keeps leveling up right he keeps like First, he kills a snake, then he kills a wolf, and then he kills a bear, and then he starts killing people. Yeah, which is cool. I, I enjoy that in sci-fi films or monster films where they kind of display how they build up. You know, so you, it's not like in your face, you're hearing a whole story about their history, but you learn um, kind of how their body works and what kind of being they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Self-evolution, you know? Not like having to wait thousands of years like us humans, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I thought that was cool, little kind of subtle things. Mm-hmm. And it's also, um, you know, it, it is set in, you know, 200 years before, or, th- or I guess 300 years at this point before modern times. But um, yeah, does it specify which year it is? Yeah, it's oh, yeah, the beginning, 1719. Yeah, yeah. yeah, September 1719. And um, the Predator is not as advanced. Either. Like it doesn't have like laser weapons. It has it has like laser guided weapons but it doesn't have it's, it's doesn't have like plasma stuff and and it's like super advanced weapons like that so i found that no, interesting more too. more ancient that's actually one of my favorite things about it they made it yeah. seem more like yeah like ancient times like egypt you know it was like a almost a gold mask you know the kind that a uh, egyptian mm-hmm. god would be wearing a pharaoh <laughs> you know one of the ptolemies yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe uh, that predator was one of the ptolemies ptolemy the i don't know the 14th <laughs> <laughs> the Egyptians are descended from predators. Interesting take. Um, so yeah, if this, um, I did not think I needed another predator movie after the last predator, uh, the predator, which was, <laughs> we, I by. think reviewed and was, yeah, I, I was going to say that we, I do think we reviewed it. It's, <laughs> it is this curious thing um, where, you know, it does exactly what the first predator did. It's like, we're going to get a bunch of roughnecks and tough guys, and we're going to go hunting for a predator. And uh, there's this whole subplot about the predator. Like there, there are predators and now there are super predators. And there's like some sort of drama between the two camps and the, the, the regular predator wants us to be able to fight super predators and level the human race up and something about climate change. And um, <laughs> it's, Let's just say when I heard that Shane Black and Fred Decker were going to make a Predator movie, that is not what I expected. And it was incredibly disappointing with the, with the possible exception of uh, Sterling K. Brown just being like cool mercenary guy all through that movie. The rest of it was brutally disappointing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would have been just a good kind of a film not related to any series at all. Just Sterling K. Brown's character <laughs> yeah. having a rompus, you know, just a good time. <laughs> Just like covering stuff up and yeah. Yeah. Or, or like um, Denzel Washington is the equalizer. Just like that kind of thing, right? Like just him <laughs> going about messing things up. That would have been cool. 
<laughs> yeah so okay, leaving leaving the theater after that experience is like cool no more predator movies since clearly we don't know what we're doing it turns out yeah. all you had to do was set this 300 years in the past and um hire a indigenous actress to uh to to play the hero and fight and you know yeah uh, the, i would say the plot of this one is broader but that made it so they could focus more on like the beautiful you know visuals action and even you know in more uh visual ways the dialogue character development you know their relationship to each other it's so yeah, simple the story done well there's nothing wrong with it being a little simple you know no no i'm, I'm not meaning that as, a, as an insult it's it's a compliment that it, it's it's very like there's a lot of nuance in the in the characters but in terms of like the story it's just like there's something in the woods uh something that's frightening the animals um we're gonna find out what it is and um when all of, like the 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 comanche warriors fail it it falls upon the shoulders of of this young woman who wants to be a hunter and what i found interesting is that the movie doesn't or the characters in the movie don't underestimate her abilities um and there's one point where her brother tabby says um you know she's a good tracker and she knows medicine so she can be an asset as we're we're kind of out here in the wilderness um but you know for whatever reason they don't think she can be a hunter um like that's like one pull she can't uh she can't vault but um there is an appreciation for her skills um it's sort of like being able to be uh and an asset to the hunting party even though yeah they still let her like tag along and everything you know? yeah the, the, the plot isn't uh heavily focused on you know on some division absolutely but i mean and and it, this comes from the actress itself it's not mm-hmm. the kind that's pushed into your face you know like they, they do they have some respect for her and uh yeah so i'm glad it does portray you know her brother and things in kind of a nice way mm-hmm. um although gender division of course is, is something very uh important Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that uh, some more of a positive atmosphere was given towards these uh, the indigenous characters and their their mm-hmm. crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I, I think what they I think they see her as ambitious, and of course, um, we know that ambition is rarely seen as a as a positive attribute in a woman. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Again, it's it's kind of played very very subtly. And there's a scene where her mother, uh, Nero's mother says to her, like, why do you want to be a hunter? And Nero says, well, because you, you all think I can't do it, which um, <laughs> is, is something very identifiable. Like, we all know that, you know, we, sometimes in our lives we want to do something or be something. And um, the people in our lives, who even the ones who may love us, um, hold those doubts. And when somebody doubts you can do something, it makes you want to do it all the more. So it's, it, you know, we can, it, it's really easy to identify with uh with uh, Nehru and her desire to be a hunter. And we, we see her struggle with it. You know, when there's the scene where they uh, try to kill the mountain lion, where she, she does not succeed. Although it's the, her, you do find out later on, her brother was able to kill it using her strategy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's honestly just the carrying thing at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that itself, you know, it does show some of the flaws, even though the guys are, are letting her come along. They're still, you know, oh, that's one negative because of her height, right? And they make it like the whole main purpose of hunting. Like you can't carry, you can't do anything, you know, which is silly. Uh, also, like, I think she should have reminded herself that she's young. Like she's going to get taller, right? You know, but um, 
yeah, I, I agree with you. They did it in a very uh, well done way, showing uh, you know the gender issues they face with, uh, deal with, but not shoved in your face in a very natural way that didn't um, take away any wonderful action time or just seeing hers herself. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought uh, the casting was also really great in the sense it was like 95% indigenous. So yeah, that was really wonderful to see, especially at like ridiculous <laughs> six was like 10% or something. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was very, I was worried while watching it because I hadn't checked that, but it, it, it yeah, that's awesome. Nin- 95%. Um, and like the predator guy's white and he's, he's probably like, around five percent of it i don't know what the, <laughs> the casting numbers are but I, I thought that was great including extras which can be a real issue yeah well the, the rest of the like the the white cast is like the the guys who play oh the, the friend the yeah, yeah yeah right right, right. i uh, i uh, my uh french side uh Gatian, i've been in uh, canada <laughs> and like north america since the 1500s <laughs> so that could have been some of my my relatives there doing those people <laughs> the evil french dudes yeah yeah it's it's, um yeah the french do not the voyagers do not come off well um but i mean if considering we're seeing it through the eyes of the indigenous people it's that's probably accurate to the time no it is accurate yeah no uh, absolutely (laughs) uh what i but again it's not like shoved into your face it doesn't take over the action and everything it's just an unfortunate uh realism of that time that does you know teach some lessons about racial division well it also it talks a lot about like sort of what is a hunter and why are you hunting and you have the predator who hunts for for sport um you have uh these these people in the tribe who hunt uh for meat um but also I didn't even like think for, of that yeah you're right. and, you know and and there's a, there's the scene where uh naru comes upon all the buffalo that have been killed and they've all been skinned and the carcasses are just sort of left out in in the the plane and you you know because you've already seen the predator going around you know killing stuff and skinning it you're meant to think oh it's like the predator's been busy but then um of course later it's it when you know she runs into the french people and it, it's brilliantly laid out too because that's one of the great things about this script is like everything has everything in it has a purpose so very early on um Nuru's dogs uh sorry hit uh springs like this metal trap and she's never encountered it before um you can kind of tell that through her actions and her response like she has no idea what this is and of course later on you put it all together skinning mm-hmm. of the buffalo these like ugly um cruel metal spring <laughs> traps of course it's white people <laughs> yeah exactly. white people walking around and, and it's the truth it's the truth you know? it's yeah it's 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 the but again done in a very uh subtle way yeah, yeah but i didn't even myself i didn't really uh, analyze her face uh in depth enough because i didn't even really notice that but yeah looking back you're right she uh i had no idea really what it was uh speaking of the dog one of my favorite things about this film sorry for the spoilers the dog like survives the longest out of all which is awesome <laughs> There's uh, about a quarter way through, like a wolf is killed, and I, um, from a distance, it looked like the dog, and I like I almost teared up, but the dog, <laughs> dog's good. You thought it was foreshadowing the death of sorry. Exactly. Um, it's yeah, the dog is interesting. I can't remember what type of dog it is because I look, I did look it up, um, but it's, um, it's, it's like they they found it in a in a like a kennel or a humane society in Georgia, uh, but. 
I mean, aside from that, it's not all, like a quote unquote Hollywood dog, but apparently the breed of the dog um, is like descended from the breed of dogs who came to North America with the indigenous people when they traveled. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's what I mean. It, so not even the casting then. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great job done on that. So, I mean, the dog looks great. Um because it's it's a breed i don't think a lot of people are familiar with it's certainly not a breed when you're like sort of out walking around you see people walking this breed of dog so but it has that historical connection um i don't know if it was intentional when they they got the dog and brought it into production but i you know it does speak to a lot of attention to detail um this isn't just a gimmick and they had you know people ad- advisors that they brought in a producer who was um, not just indigenous, but Comanche. So they understood like the traditions and, and the society and the language. Out of curiosity, did you watch uh, the Comanche language version of Prey? No. What is that? It's, it's hard to find on the app, but there is a version of Prey that is entirely dubbed in the Comanche language really that's amazing uh no um no did you watch it did you i yeah i watched because I, I watched it twice i did watch the the english language version and then um I, which I would you to... recommend of the two hmm 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 it's interesting because the both. Comanche yeah everybody's got to watch both the Comanche, well, the Comanche language version doesn't come with subtitles. So you're just kind of like immersed in the world. So, you know, you miss some of the, if you're just watching the, the Comanche language, you miss some of the quips and, and maybe some of the things like that. But what I found very interesting about this movie, it's very easy to sort of pick up uh, the plot and, and the emotion and the acting with uh, just like the body language and the facial expressions of the actors. There, there's a scene near the end where Nuru's laid the trap for the predator and um, she's taken this, not to be too spoilery for people, but there's this flower that reduces your body heat. Um, So if you're bleeding, it it helps like, you know, uh, helps you preserve your blood because if if your temperature's up, the, the blood is really flowing. And if you have, uh, a wound where you know you're experiencing blood loss this flower helps you sort of uh live um but it, the the side effect is it reduces your body temperature so predator vision doesn't work and so there's a scene at the end where she eats the flower and the predator walks into the camp and she can sense it because at this point she's you know evaded the predator like at least four or five times and she just quietly steps out of the way as he's walking through the camp and as she feels it walk by and she has this this look at her face like oh my god it worked i can't believe like she knows it works she knows the flower works she's not entirely convinced because if you're in the middle of a plan whether that plan is life or death or not you're like it, there's, there's a certain elation when you realize the plan is working and you see that all over her face. Yeah. So you, Cause there's you, always going to be a bit of doubt. <laughs> so when there's finally like a 100% realization. Yeah. See, I, I just, based on what you're saying, I think uh, there's definitely some visuals I missed out on. So maybe people uh, watching it in the other language would be. Uh, well, yeah, the, com- the, com- the Comanche version, the Comanche version makes you watch. I, I would say, I think either version is good. The English version is, is good. Cause you get to understand 
like the dialogue helps enhance sort of like the understanding of the various relationships. And like, there are a lot of things that um, Tabe says that sort of enhance their relationship. Um, like there's a scene where the, the French trappers have them tied to a tree as bait for the predator. And uh, Naru's talking about how she saw it, like a beaver was trapped in its own dam and how it gnawed its, its paw off to escape and so she she bends down she sees one of these these metal traps (laughs) and she bends down and uses springs the trap to snap the bindings that have her and tabby tied to the tree and tabby thinks for a minute she's going to (laughs) essentially like break her hand off so they can get free and and it breaks the binding instead and she gets up and says i'm smarter than a beaver and like little scenes (laughs) like that (laughs) Um, obviously work better in English if you're not a, a natural Comanche speaker. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's a tough call. I, 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 I would recommend watching them both. I'd watched Prey a couple of weeks ago. So well, another thing great about it, 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 it's length is not that long at all, right? Yeah, it's like a hundred so. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's like the length of an action like this should be, sci-fi action. That's exactly right. A movie like this should be 100 minutes long, mm. no more, no, well, maybe less, but like definitely no more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I watched the English version when it came out a couple of weeks ago, and then I watched um, the, to, to refresh myself, I, I put on the Comanche version, and um, they both work in very different ways, but uh, they both work. And so I, I, I think to, if there's a benefit to the Comanche one, aside from just hearing like the natural language and, you know, it, it's that it, it puts you more into the time period and you get to focus a bit more on um, the visual and the, the body language and the facial expressions. And um, it feels like you're really put more into this world than the, than the English language. one. Although again, one of the things I really like about this movie is that it doesn't feel fake. I mean, some of the animals, effects like the bear attack is the the cg is dodgy but for the most part this is like real settings in real places mostly alberta um (laughs) you know and it's it's not the revenant in terms of like that kind of like experiential like we're living out in the wilderness in the middle of like the coldest winter um in a hundred (laughs) years but there's a real tactile visceral um n- nature you're to inside the, movie the forest the whole time you're, you're inside yeah. the nature yeah. you're part of that environment right Absolutely. exactly right exactly right so any any additional final thoughts about uh prey well i have <laughs> it was a long time ago i saw the originals but just reading about it there's apparently some references to the ones prior so i mm. think it's really great for you know any uh fan of the series you know all around um but my main point, it is a standalone too. Like, it's been yes, so long since yes. I've watched them. You could watch this yourself without having seen any of the uh, ones prior. Yes. And, and the references back, I would say, um, Tebe says in one, at one point, if it bleeds, we can kill it, which is like, like a famous line from the first Predator. But it's not, it's not, you know, one of the things you notice, like all these famous lines from like the most famous movies of all time, like nobody's, when they're said in dialogue, nobody's like, huh, here's a famous line. Huh? Huh? It's, it's never, <laughs> that's never how it's delivered. Um, and, and that's how it's delivered in prey too. It's just, it's, it's an offhanded comment. And if you've seen the first part, you can go, Hey, he said the thing. Um, 
and but it, if not, it, it if not, it, at it's, all. it's still a truism. It's still part of like the the fabric of the world. And he's right. If it bleeds you, we can kill it. And it, it, like it, it's a completely different vibe from. So, for some reason, this sticks out to me about the predator. There's a scene where somebody else gets to the choppers, and of course, that's another well-known line from Predator. When when he, when when oh, I didn't even process that either. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> when Schwarzenegger yells, "Get to the chopper!" It's like get to the helicopter. But in the Predator, when he says "Get to the chopper," it's like there's a big uh, lineup of motorcycles for for them to hop on choppers, and it's just like uh... yeah. Well, I'm glad there was no. I'm glad when it was set too because there was no you know military focus you know just soldiers guns nope. yeah nobody was... could yell get to the chopper <laughs> yeah there was guns but not <laughs> the level there is in flintlock Predator. pistols yeah yeah if not every schwarzenegger film i think even kindergarten cop i think there's a good amount of, of guns so oh yeah there's violence in kindergarten cop yeah the uh the french they're used to the mullets or uh muskets sorry not mullets muskets yeah uh, yeah muskets although they were rocking some bullets but the uh <laughs> muskets uh, issue where they they try to reload it like as if what the predator's not going to come and it's it's so silly mm. and and, and a, a look at just how bad guns were back then yeah there's i mean it, it's you know it's always kind of like an uh an outsized advantage that the predator has with alien weaponry but one of the things i did like about the movie is that even though the predator does have advanced weaponry it does feel like everybody's kind of like on a level playing field and yeah which always feels nice and that's one of the Um, things yeah because you know the 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 key to victory here is that Nehru ends up kind of outthinking the predator Instead of, you know, it's not about overpowering. The, it's not about the size of a gun. And of course, like a lot about the first Predators, that too, is that, you know, the, the Schwarzenegger character Dutch pretty much lays a trap to um, trying to outthink the Predator. Although uh, what this movie lacked was when uh, at the end, when the Predator does an evil laugh and sets off a small nuke to destroy all evidence of his presence. <laughs> she takes the head back at the end. But uh... yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, head head very well done. The blood it was very uh, it was very cool. Um, also, the uh, I really liked the weapon that she used uh, was kind of I guess a, a hatchet or, or oh, the tomahawk. Yeah, yeah, the tomahawk, yeah. but it was attached to a rope. Uh, it was yeah, very interesting. This is the kind of I think weapon I'd pick in uh, like a video game or something. It it was cool. Um, and that the action all around was just yeah, it was really great. All the uh, the archery performed, everything like that, and a good yeah. amount of it. Yeah. It's very solid, very down to earth, um, well worth seeing. And I would even say seeing twice, watching in Comanche. Yeah, I might. And like, uh, you know, we said it's not that long at all. So yep, yep, I yep. think it'd be rude if, if listeners didn't do that and watch both. Yeah, I mean, that's the advantage of because to just say the last word, it's like one of the things that kind of irks me is that I, I couldn't go to a movie theater, watch it. And it's and that decision seemed to be made for very specific business reasons on the part of Disney. but. On the bright side, I was able to watch it in Comanche too, and that was kind of a special treat. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's the thing. There's, I guess, some benefits with streaming. Some if benefits they're to, if they're going to uh, incorporate, you know, some of the actual film plotter art. That's that's cool. that's a, yeah. That's I meant good. those kinds of benefits. Obviously, there's other benefits like it's yeah, know, it's money it's and a, everything. It's a good use of the art. It's it's a good use of the 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 form of media. Let's say. All right, we got to wrap this up. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. We hope you liked it. We're back with new episodes every week. 
till we get to uh, Christmas time. So you can find us on our website at End Credits Radio Show to learn more. Download every episode on the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean. Or get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can play the music that you hear from End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for the playlist End Credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on YouTube and Twitter as Mr. Towerack. Perfecto. And then we will be, uh, or I should say, I will be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. We're getting into election coverage. So uh, stay tuned for that. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donson. And for more election coverage, you can find my News and Politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And we shall return next Wednesday for another new episode of End Credits. And we will see you then. Mm -hmm.